So welcome again to another podcast. This time I've got Katie Tunsell with me, who I've known for about four or five years and helped her with that entrepreneurial journey. In return, she's helped me with my life my, as a business life coach and has made a massive difference to me. But let's talk about you, your background and why you became entrepreneurial. Well, thank you very much for inviting me to talk about me this time and uh, my entrepreneurial journey. Um, I've got a really varied background ranging from leadership in the army, met police, I was a consultant at McKinsey um, and set up my own consulting firm and, and really what I know about myself is that I love learning new things and starting new things. When I was pregnant with my first son that was when I had the idea, the original idea for Ready Steady Mums and as we know lots of businesses start with one idea and they evolve. We, um, we first were thinking about making a series of DVDs for mums and then evolving on we realised that actually something would be really cool would be to be able to have a, a, like a virtual personal trainer for mothers. So you'd go online, you'd have like something like a consultation with a real personal trainer and you'd be asked some questions about your health, about your birth, your preferences and then you'd have a programme that was tailored for you mm -hmm. and this idea definitely isn't anything like that isn't anything like that we thought that it would be um we thought that it would be possible to build something <laughs> there comes the first problem and so i began to design ready steady mum's idea uh, when i was pregnant with my first son and to do that you had this friend this uh, programmer that you knew and you produced a platform and then started to spread it out into groups, was it? Yeah, so the, fir the first idea was to build something that would stand alone and mothers could sign up online and they could get a virtual personal trainer. And along with my friend, who I knew from university, he's a programmer, we built something that kind of did that. Now, when I actually had my first son, I had, a, you know, I'm in the market then myself, and I realised there's this huge part of it as well, which is about the community support and about mobilising your self with your friends and, and, and dealing with some of the emotional barriers and the practical barriers as well as just knowing what to do and, and being just confident that you were doing the right exercise. It was also all the infrastructure behind it. It seems so obvious to me now but at the time that was a, a revelation. So we, these I started running a local group to do the exercises in my local community and then someone in that group wanted to start another group so I helped her to do that. Um, and then somebody else then moved out of the area and, and set up another group quite some way away. And we realised then there's a model there, which is replicable. Where and, volunteer you, and you gave them enough information to set up the group and run it. Yes, I didn't get yeah. it right first time. I suppose that's the learning <laughs> for a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, it was far too complicated what we started with, and to start with, we you know we, things like we didn't even realise how important it is just to make it at the same time, the same place every week, completely predictable, and not to allow it to be you know, whenever anyone's available, because mm. mums didn't want that. Things like the, the amount of clicks that you need to do to get through. I know this is so obvious now, but to get through, to mm. actually see what the right video is that demonstrates the exercise you should do, it needs to just be there and it needs to be really easy. Mm. So it evolved over time. But what we found really worked, and I suppose the outcome at the end of all of this, is that mums like to get together in communities and support each other and be physically active. So you built up how many groups before you decided that you might be able to, to raise, or you would like to raise some money to scale it? Yes, I think we had about 20, 20 odd groups when um, we thought it would be a good idea to try and scale the business and make it you know, the, the big exit we might have all hoped for. At that time we hadn't separated the virtual personal trainer and the local community groups. They was, it was still all one and I suppose in retrospect I can see that the community group side was really successful we just 
didn't crack the user experience for the virtual personal trainer. So lots of people were going to the groups, but they weren't actually buying the virtual personal trainer. Buying as in buying the DVDs or by even just interacting well, with the Well, the DVDs website. was another little aside as well. Yes, yeah. So actually the core product was the virtual personal trainer, and we tried many different ways of getting people to pay for it. There was a subscription model, there was a pay-as-you-go model. We tried to work... We had a deal with, the, um, with Mothercare at one point where they were um, allowing us to run it through their stores. Um, but we just what we found was we just couldn't get people to pay, even though they said they really wanted it, they really loved it. It was something that they really valued and a great part of their experience of motherhood. They didn't want to pay for it. Right. So you decided then the best way to do that was to employ somebody to help with that process and raise some cash. Is that right? Yes. Well, we thought if we could raise some more money, so we could do two things. One, we could do a proper marketing campaign rather than it all just be word of mouth and friends that I know and you know community group stuff. Um, and the second is that we could um, improve the user experience for the virtual personal trainer. The content we had on there was amazing. I had worked with a gynaecologist and I had worked with um, also a, a film producer and also my original partner the programmer and what we had had was so clever <laughs> and you know technically it was really really good but the user experience just wasn't landing and that was the limiting thing so we thought we raised some money and then we would be able to grow and scale and see if we could really make it work and before you uh, we go on to actually raising the money you were also at the same time juggling a few other things weren't you yes i had my second child quite soon after that so i had two um little babies two baby boys and i also had a job so i was still working <laughs> um, <laughs> three or four days a week in london uh, by the side of it. well i was actually working full time but i was working compressed hours um, yes. I guess there's a lot of entrepreneurs that do it that way. You know, you need to somehow sustain the financial existence and also have a bit of time. So work compressed hours. It was crazy time, really. Yeah. Um, but I know that about myself. I just like to work hard, <laughs> push it a bit harder, see if I can make something happen. And um, you obviously put a plan together and you chose to go down the crowdfunding route, didn't you? Yeah, when we started looking to raise money, I didn't even know what crowdfunding was. Um, we had um, some really good conversations with angel investors, um, one in particular that we thought was going to happen. And then I think it was maybe him that said, actually, crowdfunding could be right for you. The The thing that really made it seem to fit was our big community value creation the fact that we were doing something great for mothers that we were people were telling us we were making a huge difference for their emotional well-being as mm. well as their physical well-being and so we thought well let's leverage that and see if we can do a crowdfund and then have it feel like it's owned by the community and this is back in 2013 so there weren't that many crowdfunding platforms around so oh, i you, think you, we were pioneering <laughs> you were yes. yeah we really, and, really were. and you chose one of them and how was that process you know in terms of the, the amount of time you spent on it and the things that went wrong and went right yeah, it took it took a lot longer than I thought. Again, this is what I hear all the time from other entrepreneurs that raising money takes way longer than you expect, whatever way you do it. Um, and so the first thing we had to do was choose which platform we would use. And we looked at the, all the platforms available at the time. It was interesting, they were all really on salesy, salesy, salesy. They all really wanted us and made quite a lot of outlandish promises about how much they would reach a huge audience and the great service that they would give us. And we took a lot of that with a pinch of salt. Um, but we looked at, I think it came down for us between Cedars and Crowdcube. And um, we also looked at one called Crowdbank, which I don't think exists anymore, but they seemed good, but very much lower reach. So in the end, we chose Cedars. Cedars had the nominee structure where they do all the legal work and then they basically, they are the shareholder and then they sub 
give out the shares to the we had 114 crowdfunding investors which was an attractive part of it for us I really hate admin and then did you produce a video at the time with yes you, yes you yes. had a video and and then you had there was a forum which you needed to interact with wasn't there yes yeah, so you did the, the pitch video was the critical the really critical thing that's what everybody said was good and we spent a lot of effort on that I pulled together quite an impressive advisory board um, and all of those individuals were willing to be on the video <laughs> in the end <laughs> well so we had a it was it was great I mean the video basically laid out what our our success had been to date the strength of the team what we thought the opportunity was and exactly how we were going to do it it was a you know, classic business plan but in two minute video and we also did a really really in-depth financial analysis and even at the time we kind of knew that you're doing it to show that you know how to do it um, not because necessarily the valuation was totally watertight of course um, but those were the two things that we had in our inventory to go and impress all these um, potential investors and um, yeah so we went out we put that on the onto the platform that went live and then the next stage was going out and really just talking to everyone we tried every, I was you know heckling people that, you know the on street? the street I mean literally I was at one point I I was I walked past someone who I knew was an investor it was as when I was in Old Street yeah. and uh, and I was like oh oh do you want to hear about this and then at the end of it I said oh so uh, how was that pitch <laughs> I said yeah it was good I'll give I'll give you some money I mean it was about 100 quid or something but you know still yeah, yeah. that was the way it worked and we had a lot of 10 pounds investors Um, and then the important thing there is that they're then telling their friends and talking about it I'd say we probably had about 10 investors putting in more than a few thousand Um, you know one 1500 plus and those people almost all 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 wanted a conversation with me to talk about the business to talk about how we'd analyze the, the valuation what we were really going to do and give me a bit of a grilling fine totally reasonable when they did put the money in <laughs> and in fact the amount we were raising was by modern standards wasn't very much How much no was we it? raised fifty-seven thousand. in fact we only aimed to raise 50 but you go into overfunding and we thought why not actually once we'd made that amount of effort we got to fifty-seven thousand. and how long was the process between first approaching or uh, choosing a crowdfunding site and the cash coming into the bank account it should have been sooner. So we we chose the crowdfunding site. We did the fundraise. The fundraise itself took around three months in total. Well, from first going on the platform to getting it live to doing a pitch and then to getting the money, uh, three months maybe slightly less. Then it took them about, I think it was about six weeks more till we got the money, which okay. was a bit of a nightmare for us actually. Because you were starting to spend it, yes, leasing exactly, your heads, if exactly. not by starting. To and then there people. was a complication where I was putting in director's loans to bridge that gap. Yes. And then when we got the money, I wanted to pay them back, and they said you can't because look in the deal it says that we can't pay use back. this money to okay. pay back director's right. loans. I was like, but I've only, you know, and it, that was yes. really stressful. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, that is the life of an entrepreneur, isn't it? You have those stressful times when yes. you pick something up like that. And this was yeah. what? When went to this big early 2013 we're talking about now? Or mid yes, it was, it was by early summer 2013 okay. that we really were able to do the things that we, we had raised the money to and do. And by that point you'd chosen who to employ, I guess, had you? Yes, yes, we'd built a team. Okay, and, and they, so you switched them on, and they started working. Yes. Now this is this this journey ends in failure, and obviously we want to understand what you think about what happened. Yes. So let's just talk through that. So the team comes on board. Yes. They start to do things, positive yes. things, no yes. doubt. Yes. Yes. Talk about those. Yes. So there were there were a lot of things that we wanted to do. Pretty many, I should think, actually. And we began work on some of the marketing and some of the user experience development. With in earnest, 
at the very beginning. What I found quite soon was that the things that I was personally doing were still happening and were still, you know, we were making progress quicker because I was getting some support with doing those things. But I had been completely unrealistic about how my vision could be executed by other people. Mm. Um, and we ended up with a quite big conflict between two of the people that had joined. Um, and you? Uh, no, each other, with no, each other. with okay. each other. Yeah. And I got a lot of emotional energy invested in trying to deal with that. Mm. That there was a lot of accusations that they would, you know, that the other one was not doing it right and not properly. Yeah, it was re- it was pretty stressful actually. Yes. Um, and so I felt like a lot of our, what lot of what we'd been able to buy in terms of other people's time was not getting effectively put to solving the, the priority issues for driving growth. So, you know, a few of the breakthroughs we had, like I managed to form some new partnerships, which turned out to be really important. Um, and I was still filming new content. I was still managing to write some new creative content, both for consumers and for our partners. Um, and that I was doing that faster and that was good. Um, and we were get, growing the community and we were getting more groups signing up. We could not agree on what the mechanic should be for mem- for membership, for implementing a new membership for we the virtual personal trainer. The three people the two people you're talking about plus you yeah yeah and and there was one other person as well so there were kind of three other senior people involved and two of them had a massive conflict um and it was and I just felt like I was constantly getting you know dragged in to try to solve another argument about how something should be done and in I I suppose at the time I I sort of thought I don't mind what we do can we just get on with something and and that was a bit naive of me really and of course, what you've done is build up a lot of a, a number of advisors, but you didn't actually strengthen the board, did you? So the board at this point is primarily you and your no, husband, who's also entrepreneur. No, no, the board was exceptionally good, actually. Right. Thank goodness the for the board. Board of directors. But, yes, yeah. but they were all advisors, volunteer, voluntary advisors, and we never actually got to the point of making them directors of the company. I don't think it would have made any difference if we had or not. You think not? No. I don't think one of them would have said, look, this conflict's happening, somebody's got to go. I think, no, clearly not. Well, some, no, somebody yeah. did, um, and then it took about six months to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was one person on the board who, if he hadn't been there and he hadn't come and given me a bit of a talking to and, and then really supported mm. me massively with those really, really difficult conversations, mm. honestly, I can't imagine what would have happened. Right, it, right. He was amazing. He was a finance director in a, a quite a big company mm. and was on it, completely on it, thank goodness. So during all this conflict, of course, the business isn't growing in the way you'd want it to do. No. So talk about <laughs> that process. Um, well, when you and I first met, of course, that was when I was quite desperate, really, and trying to work out what we should be focusing on to give ourselves a chance of succeeding. Yes. And what I, what, what, what we did, actually, together, was we, we laid out, didn't we, some decision lines. And, yeah, timelines. And, exactly, and I was yeah. saying, well, these, this is what I think we could achieve. I, you know, and, and how much longer am I going to keep trying? Mm. And what we'd said was, well, okay, let's put a line in the sand that says there's these three KPIs, and if we haven't achieved those, then we're going to put to the board of advisors that we're going to shut shut the business mm. down, which was pretty uh, hardcore <laughs> conversation. We're only talking about not many months. Oh, after it just went so quickly. It yeah. just, I mean, it, the, yeah, how quickly the money could get spent and 
and how quickly a conflict like that could just eat up the whole the whole thing. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, what I suppose what, what I should say is that I, I don't know, and I'll probably never know to what extent that team issue was the problem versus actually we never got the product market fit right so whilst we had a, something people wanted would people really be willing to pay for that i don't know having made the decision that product market fit wasn't going to work you then went through a process of shutting the business down over a period of time which i i believe you did in an extremely uh, measured way for the benefit of everybody involved. Yes, I, I, it's kind of an irony, isn't it, that my big success is the elegant failure. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's how it got described in a book, actually, as a case study of how to fail elegantly. Once I, uh, well, I mean, I can even say now we failed. At the time, even just saying we failed is mm. so painful. Mm. Like, really just, um, yeah, that was pretty, pretty hard. But once I had accepted that, and it helped hugely to have laid out decision lines, to have reached that point, to have not, despite every effort in, I could possibly sum up from my my own resources and those around me, we hadn't done it, accepting that we'd failed. And then I really just wanted to run away and hide. And partly on your advice, actually, Pete, you know, I got on the phone and I phoned up the investors of the crowdfund. The larger ones. All the larger ones. Yes. Um, yeah, all the larger ones. And I had a conversation which I planned very carefully in advance, which was along the lines of, I'm calling to let you know that Ready Steady Mums is um, going to close down, that we failed, that we've lost your money, that I am responsible for that, and I'm sorry, and I want to answer any questions that you have. Something like that. And uh, the first call I did was obviously completely terrifying, and the person I phoned said, wow, thanks for calling me. That's um, really amazing to hear from you, to tell me that. I would never expect to hear from a founder <laughs> in your position. Um, and if you do another venture, then give me a call and I'll back you again. I was like, wow, great. Yeah. Okay, so slightly buoyed up by that, but still, you know, fearful. I then, you know, did, did the next call and had my script. I would say like 80% of the people I rang were having that kind of reaction um, of saying, you know, yeah, you know, you gave it your all. We knew we weren't going with our eyes shut we knew that we we're investing in a startup which is a risky thing and yeah thanks for telling us and and again like lots lots of people saying give me a call when you're doing your next venture which is quite amazing so it's, it's sort of mixed feelings eh? so the um so there's a, there's a great moral from that of course is to keep in touch with your investors not just of course on the point of failure or before that but the whole way through yeah um, I think it's important because obviously you know it feels at the time like it's the be all and end all I failed in my business but I as a human being still exist and they still exist and you know now looking back a few years down the line I have those relationships with those people and I um you know it's just it's really important I kept my integrity and I and, and it, yeah. you managed to shut it down solvently, so no money was owed to anybody? Yeah, well, just. I mean, I. Yeah, <laughs> by funding the final. A little personal, <laughs> little personal cost. But there, more but... importantly, the, the dream that you'd set out with some years beforehand has continued, hasn't so it? So there is the really fantastic outcome. Um, and I don't want to detract away from the honesty that it didn't work as a financially viable venture, but. Absolutely brilliantly. The Institute of Health Visiting, which is the charity we had begun working with on the community programme, said, we don't want this community programme to end. And also many of the volunteers running the groups said the same thing. We don't want this to end. And the Institute offered to take it over and run it. And I, along with two of the other key people involved in the business, 
agreed to volunteer for the institute and to help them to run the community program so they've um, since then they've taken it on we've actually had some breakthroughs beyond the business side because now health visitors can start up the groups with no fear that they're giving a, you know money to a commercial venture it's just completely voluntary so they've really taken it on and they're working with mums and communities empowering them giving them the confidence to run walking groups as volunteers and the institute has gone from strength to strength with ready steady mums and me and, and kim and kate have continued to support them in the so way how many can. groups do you think there are what, uh, right. well last time i spoke to the chief executive i think she said it was 67 oh, groups well, that's many more than you ever got this year yeah. Yeah, yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely i mean i think the maximum that we got to when it was me on my own was around 40 something 40 something and that was with me really driving it you know how it mm. is like literally calling them up the whole time mm. i had personal relationship with most of them really that amount of effort and now it's just happening because it's a community program with legs of its own and so the shareholders although this isn't the usual way of expressing it it could be looked at as having donated to a charity which was ready steady mums as a limited company which has led to yeah. great social outcomes well many of them do see it like that and i was very very careful not to put that as the leading point i've always been very careful to say i know that's not why you invested um, and to wait until everything was completed that and to then give them some good news in that context yes. and actually uh, it's on it's one of the things i'm planning to do is to write to them again because the, well, i'm talking at the institute of health visitings annual conference this year and it has led to some really great things and there's mums around the country now that are accessing social exercise groups and getting all the mental health benefits as well as physical health being role models to their kids this stuff's all happening as and a it's result. retaining the same brand it's as well, still called it? ready study mums yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, they've taken it over and okay. it's uh yeah so that's a really i'm really proud of that yeah there outcome. aren't many startups who have gone through a failure where the actual outcome in the longer term may well be more than they could ever achieve by themselves yeah yeah which is you must be very proud i'm really of. proud of that yeah, yeah. Excellent. so katie how has the ready steady mums journey helped you one of the things ready steady mums has really helped me to do is to think about failure in a much more healthy way and I, I did a talk recently which landed with the audience so well where I used these little tennis balls as demonstrations of uh, failure. And I had each one had a little sad face on it. And I said, well, what, what we normally do with failure and what I realise I've been doing is we try to hide it. So hiding my tennis ball or we try to blame someone else and throw it at someone else. Or we try to dress it up, disguise it like something else and pretend that we actually meant to achieve something else. And one of the things I got from Ready Steady Mums is it's okay to say, I tried to do this, I failed. Part of failing means I've added to my whole inventory of life experience and makes me the person that I am today. What you were particularly good at was speaking at conferences and building partnerships, wasn't it? Can you talk through that a bit? Yes, well, once we'd raised the money, one of the things I realised is that it did free me up a little bit to focus on my own strengths. And as an entrepreneur, you do have to do everything, don't you? You know, you find so everything's got to be done and there's only you. Um, but one of the things after we raised money was that I could be more conscious of, for example, I know that when I go speak at a conference or an event, then I'm really, I'm really influential. I, I've managed to inspire people and create a vision and make things happen. And then people go off and they want to start groups or they want to do a partnership with us or things like that. And that's, that's what I, I really learned to focus on the things that where I'm good at and have a real impact and to, to be able to 
hire other people um, who could do some of the things that were either not my passions or just that oh, I'm not very good at. Yeah, it. like software coding. Or... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> software coding. Or, or just the kind of diligent, detailed, checking the accounts type work, which would take me ten times longer because it's not my favourite thing than me going off and, say, doing another radio interview or going and filming another bit of awesome exercise content that would really excite our our audience of mums. Were you full-time at this point? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I was full-time. <laughs> I was full-time in life. <laughs> but you were still... No, at this point, I still had a job. I still had my babies, and I was trying to do this on the side. Yes. I'm really... I'm very productive person I think it's when you're really passionate about something you can get a huge amount done and the great thing of course about Ready Steady Mums is that it was a lot of physical exercise so whilst it's pretty hardcore to go and be in a studio for a day doing exercise solidly demonstrating exercise solidly it's actually kind of good for you and it's Mm. a nice balance between desk work and so as long as I had a lot of change it was it was all right so the takeaway from this is that do what you're good at yes. and delegate what you're not yes I, I know that sounds very simplistic but yes I mean as much as you can to to do that and then to give yourself a chance to actually have balance and enjoy it so we uh, let's just talk about what next I mean in the meantime uh, I happen to know that you've had a couple more boys so <laughs> we've now got five four boys oh. in the family <laughs> yes yeah, so I finished having children now <laughs> Um, not including startups. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm. I love the world of startups, and I have. I've been a coach for a long time. Well, of course, that's when we first met. I've been yeah, you coaching offered that you. to me. Yes, exactly. Um, and I've become more and more focused on coaching in the startup world. So I've got quite a lot of startup CEOs that I work with now, one to one, and with their teams. And I, I. So at the moment, that's the main channel where I bring all the learning from my own experiences in entrepreneurship with Ready Steady Mums and with the other ventures that I've done um, and I think founders that I work with say that I can put myself in their position authentically um, mm. as a result of that and I think I'm able to bring value in an understanding in a way that I couldn't if I hadn't done it myself. I also still have definitely a plan to start another venture in the not too different f- distant future. Okay, well, that's, we'll leave that on hold. <laughs> but your husband also is part of a startup. Yes, uh, yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, we're sort of living the dream. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he's in a startup that's one of those fast growth. Uh, deep, fairly deep tech. Um, it's deep tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah in okay. in the Cambridge area. He's, it, yeah, it, we're in this world. Yeah, maybe <laughs> really immersed in this world. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, it's been really great talking to Katie. Uh, 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 although we haven't talked about it much, you've made a massive difference in my business life and, and the roles I've had. Thank and, you. Um, and, and a long way that continue. Thank you very much, Katie. Thanks, Thank you. Peter.